So, wonderful, wonderful. Um, it is with great joy that I get to introduce and ask you to honor um, our Pastor Elder Russ Folkler, who's going to bring a word. What a joy it's been to have you here with us, Nabil. Thank you for such an honor. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm praying that you receive uh, what God wants you to receive from this talk as well. I, I just, I'm still just receiving from, from the overflow from earlier th- tonight, huh? Wow. For those who don't know me, I actually guess I got introduced. My name is Russ Folkler. I'm a pastor and elder. And uh, you're going to get to hear some stories tonight. I've been intrigued with going deeper with the Lord about boldness and humility. Yeah. And it really ties into a lot of what the Lord's been doing with people coming back from, from Cambodia and, and sharing about being present, uh, Domali sharing about the, the, the boldness that came upon Domily, and she had the opportunity to share Jesus and invite, invite a young lady to, to receive Jesus. Remember, remember that? There's like, and also about being present. So, so I'm going to share some things with you, and I hope they're going to encourage you. We filter our, our understanding of the scriptures through what we've been taught, what we've assumed about how God sees us. Many of us have assumed that God needs us, needs to keep us in our place. That he wants to keep us humble so he stays in control. How many of you have gotten that message in the past? I see a few hands. Uh, that, was, that was a message I got somehow. And that he's looking for the fame we can give him when we let him, quote-unquote, use us to do bold, impressive things. My hope is that this talk will help further free you from this controlling, narcissistic version, false version of who God is. So you can more wholeheartedly enter into the fullness of life that is yours with our loving creator, savior, king, and bridegroom. Boldness and faith are both about taking risks. We need boldness. Boldness like Nabil <laughs> and his wife. The confidence and energy to stand for what is true and good, what is life-giving. To represent our Father's realm. And to challenge the norms in this world, what, which degrade people, damage hearts, and destroy families and communities. We need boldness, don't we? Yeah, it's not going to happen without some boldness, is it? I want to share some keys to truly living life. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's three times in the Bible, by the way. Proverbs 3.34, James 4.6, and 1 Peter 5.5. Three times. 
Maybe it's important to know this. <laughs> and sometimes we take that to mean, again, we just need to stay low. But I th- my understanding of it, and we'll, un- we'll unpack that some more, is that um, if, if, if we have a humble heart, then God's op- operational power is going to flow through us. <laughs> He's going to give us that kind of grace, as well as grace for dealing with our issues in our lives. Here's another one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What happens to the poor in spirit? How are they blessed? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That sounds really good. I want that. So that was the humility part. And then there's the boldness part. After Jesus' death, his disciples prayed for boldness. They were taken before the Sanhedrin. Do you remember that? Acts 4. And they were commanded not to speak or preach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said, well, this, by the way, this was because they healed a guy who had been lame for all his life. That's, that was how they got in trouble. Good boldness, huh? <laughs> but Peter and John answered the Sanhedrin and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. So when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So they got together with their friends, the disciples, and they, said, they prayed. They said, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders might be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Yeah, very good. That's what we want. <laughs> and we give our Father pleasure when we live boldly instead of fearfully. Yeah. In, uh, in Hebrews 10... 38, this is from the Source Bible. But my righteous person will live from faith, and if they cower with fear, my soul is not content with them. Now, that's not condemning. It's saying, hey, let's come up higher. <laughs> that's not the way I want you to live. Yeah. That's, some of us read that stuff and we just feel condemned, but that's not the intention, is it? In fact, a little earlier in chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews says, So then do not throw away your boldness, freedom, and openness of speech, as it brings you great payment. That is to say, you will get what you deserve as you speak boldly. So we have humility and we have boldness, both good things. But if you're like me in my past life, you might be tempted to misuse an excuse. (sighs) 
I did both uh, for both sides. I was I was I was um, gaming both both sides of this thing. Uh, I was stiff-necked, hard driving, r- ran over my my family. You've heard some stories about that if you've been here any, any length of time. Um, and I was thinking, I'm just being bold in the Lord. I'm making things happen. I thought I was. I thought I had to use this force of will to drive things to, to drive things along and make things work. Otherwise, it wasn't going to happen, and God was going to be unhappy with me. So I had to make things happen. Wasn't a good idea, by the way. Ah, but there's the other way too. You can you can just say, well. I'm going to avoid uncomfortable conflict. I'm going to hide from challenges. I'm going to put my talent in the ground, if you will, bury it. Uh, and then I'll just say, well, I'm just being humble. I'm just staying low. I'm just not going to, you know, this is just my humility that keeps me from doing anything worthwhile. <laughs> it sounds so, so ridiculous when you say it out loud, but <laughs> but how many of you have thought things like that? Self-justification. So I did both of those. <clears throat> I was really bad at it. <laughs> um, and then four and a half years ago, I got really sick. And you, the, many of you folks prayed for me. I was in a hospital in a coma. And the Lord decided to take advantage of that because he, he had my full attention. <laughs> he didn't make me sick, but he was going to use it for good. He was going to use it for good. So, so I was, I was in this, um, I was in this coma. I didn't know I was in a coma. I was in a series of dreamlike experiences. Didn't get to go to heaven. Didn't get to see Jesus. Didn't even get to see an angel. What's up with that? <laughs> but the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Uh, I was in this dreamlike experience. You know how dreams are. They don't always make a lot of sense. But I was in a hospital bed in a Middle East medical entrepreneurs conference. Susan was there, and she took me along. She was, at a, she was over somewhere going in a, in a meeting room, and I was out kind of in this main room. And, and uh, the Lord, Holy Spirit started speaking to me, and he said, Jesus is king. I thought, yes, yes, Jesus is king. Got that. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Jesus is king. Next thing Holy Spirit said was, and he likes to, as king, he likes to initiate things and bring them to pass. Sure, like that. Agree with that. Jesus is king. Likes to initiate things and bring them to pass. But you, Russ, you try and make things happen ahead of time before Jesus is doing it. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is the place where I repent, right? <laughs> that was a really good idea, so I repented. I said, I am so sorry, Jesus. I'm so sorry that I have jumped in and thought that I had to make things happen, that I needed to initiate things and bring things to pass that were your royal prerogative. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, there's another part of that story, but for for the sake of time, I won't tell you too much about that, except that not only was I pushing things through, but the fuel I was using to make things happen was a combination of rage and despair. Again, not really bringing good fruit out of those things. So, um, 
So even though I didn't have any really cool experiences, that really changed me when I woke up. I'm really grateful for the Holy Spirit speaking to me and humbling me and, and teaching me the path of life. Let's talk more about true humility. True humility means we are receptive. We're receptive to God's heart, the impressions, pictures, thoughts, feelings, dreams that we are we are we are wanting to be wanting to receive from Holy Spirit and Father God and Jesus. When we are proud, when we are stiff necked, it's really hard to notice the things he's trying to say to us. Yeah. We are receptive to new information that may not fit with what we've assumed. Like my assumption about having to push things through and make things happen. We're receptive to the possibility we may need to change what we're doing in order to stay in alignment with what is true and loving, what is, what is of our Father's realm. Yeah. Let's see, where am I? Yeah, so the opposite of humility is, uh, there's a Hebrew word called Akasha, which is translated hard, stiff-necked, obstinate, cruel, fierce. Did the Lord mention to Moses a few times about the people of Israel being stiff-necked? They weren't really receptive to what the Lord was, was trying to say and show to them. Yeah, that's not... So we... And sometimes we think we have to be hard. But when we are really hard, really forceful, really driving we're not really able to receive much from, from, from what the Holy Spirit wants to show us, are we? Humility like Jesus. Jesus resisted being offended when others put him down and sought to hurt his reputation. Surprisingly enough, even when he was questioned, Jesus did not ask his father to send angels to prove his divinity. He could have. He could have showed everybody who he really was in, in more, more uh, obvious ways, but instead he, he was humble. He, he emptied himself and became a man, walked the earth. And he, he, uh, he put up with a lot of, of things that no king should have to put up with. Yet Jesus strongly stood up for the work of the Holy Spirit and Father God, didn't he? He wasn't, he wasn't a doormat. But, and he, he, really, he really responded strongly when people were um, maligning what the Holy Spirit was doing or, or the witness of his father about, who, about his work. There are times when Jesus calls us to bear the stigma of the judgment of others, even the judgment of Christ, other Christians. We get to be like him. And we get, we get to uh, see how he is going to work things out instead of pushing things through ourselves and vindicating ourselves sometimes. True humility doesn't force its way. It lives in the unforced rhythms of grace. 
That's a, that's a quote from the Message Bible. I love that. The unforced rhythms of grace. When we are in the unforced rhythms of grace, then things just overflow and flow out and the kingdom comes. True humility is motivated by 1 Corinthians 13 ways of love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. So how, how do we know how we're... What's what are what's going on? What our motion? What our true motivations are? Well, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us check our heart. And I'm not suggesting that you're we're always um, just kind of looking within and, and um, just always being introspective. That's that's not what I'm saying. But uh, when the Holy Spirit whispers, "Hmm," we might go, "Huh." Holy Spirit, what's really going on with my motivations here? Because things don't feel like I'm flowing with you right now. So is my motivation right now fear and anxiety? Sometimes it is, isn't it? It's good to to notice that, not to condemn ourselves, but to go, hmm, I'm starting to respond in a way that is being driven by fear and anxiety. Or is our motivation love and trust? Stephen De Silva came and spoke with us about prosperous soul, and that was one of his questions for us. Who is on or what is on your seat of motivation? Is it fear or is it love? Going a little further on the fear and anxiety side, am I afraid of looking silly? I've had that fear. Am I afraid of being misunderstood? I have. And am I afraid of appearing vulnerable? Something you don't ever want to do as a boy on the playground. Don't ever look vulnerable. Dangerous. Danger, danger, Will Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) Am I feeling anxiety about my needs? Is that what's driving me right now? Or am I motivated by wanting to connect with God's heart? Am I loving someone whom God loves? Am I confident that God is with me? Am I trusting he cares about my needs? Now, we're all going to go through times when we feel fear and anxiety as well as hopefully some trust <laughs> and love. But being aware of it and then making the choice to make a U-turn if we're heading into you know, fear and anxiety territory, we don't want to go any deeper in there than we need to, right, before we can pull out. Yeah, so it's really good to, it's really good to do that. Godly boldness comes when... Our heart is aligned with Jesus' heart. When our passion for his kingdom to come into a a situation is strong. When, When we're saying, Jesus, I want your kingdom to come into this situation. 
in this thing that I'm facing or a friend is facing or, or a nation is facing. And I want to, I'm, I'm developing, I have this passion in me to see your kingdom come because I know your heart for this situation, Jesus. Wow, you feel that? Yeah. Power of declaration. God, godly boldness comes when we move in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Sometimes we can be just minding our own business one moment, and the next moment, whoosh, the Holy Spirit comes, right? And we go, and suddenly, you know, we feel like a lion. We're ready to take on things we weren't ready to take on a moment before. Godly boldness comes when we feel confident. A confidence that comes from Father God's confidence in us. We know in our knower that we are flowing in an aspect of our destiny. You may have noticed that all three persons of the Trinity are mentioned up there. Yay. They're all involved with us, aren't they? (laughs) One God and three persons. So I'm going to read just a brief uh, story. At the beginning of World War II, after the German invasions of Belgium, Holland, Denmark, Norway, and France, there are like 130 German divisions, by the way, The English government decided they needed a new prime minister. And they chose Winston Churchill. It was a really dark time. Most of the, uh, most of the English troops were trapped in France. They could have been, most of them could have been captured or killed. It was a really dark time. Everything was going wrong. But for many years, Winston Churchill had warned England that they needed to get ready for this. He was like a voice crying in the wilderness. Most people didn't want to hear it because they were just they had just finished World War I, had lost a lot of young men, didn't want to even think about uh, doing that again. But he spoke up. And on the drive back from meeting with the king after he had been appointed prime minister, Winston Churchill's bodyguard, that's his picture there on the left, Walter H. Thompson tried to ease the long silence by congratulating Churchill on becoming prime minister. I only wish the appointment had come in better times, for you have an enormous task, he said. Churchill became quite emotional. God alone knows how great it is, he replied. I hope it is not too late. I'm very much afraid it is. We can only do our best. So he was scared, but, to tr- but was going to do it, try and do his best. Later on, that same day, May 10th, 1940, in his residence in the Admiralty headquarters, Churchill reflected on the events that had led him to become the prime minister. By the time he was getting ready to retire for the night, his glum mood after meeting with the king had changed. He wrote in his diary... I was conscious of a profound sense of relief. A profound sense of relief. 
I felt as though I was walking with destiny, as though all of my past life had been but a preparation for this hour and this trial. And I was sure I would not fail. Wow, do you feel that? So it's 8.30, uh, a little after 8.30. Pardon? We can go a little further? Ten more minutes, okay. All right. Grace to the children's church workers. So I want you to see from that example and from the example of other people, including ones in the Bible, that godly boldness and confidence are often fruit from what you and God have walked through together earlier. He uses all things for our good, and he wastes nothing. Moses started his life work at 80. So I still have some time. (laughs) (laughs) Churchill was 65 that May 10th, 1940. But you, the young people get to get in on this also, right? David was a youth. He was a ruddy youth. He had, but he had already had experience with God, hadn't he? He had already had these experiences, these private victories, watching the sheep, no one else with him fighting the bear and the lion, knowing that God was with him. So he, he did have a history with God. So he was prepared to be bold with Goliath. Isn't that good? You don't have to wait till you're 80. You don't even have to wait till you're 15. But know that the, the experiences that you are going through are preparing you. For what, for what, um, what will require boldness in the future? First Peter five six, which is right after the, the Lord uh, resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That, me, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So you can see, you can see even there, there's a humbling, and then he's going to exalt you in due time. And what are you going to need when he exalts you? Boldness. <laughs> See, there's. <laughs> when he exalts you, you're going to need boldness. And in the meantime, we get to cast all our cares upon him. Whether, whether we're going through a time of hiddenness or a time where we're out in front uh, leading a country, changing a country. He still cares for us. He cares about our individual issues. He's not just using us. Isn't that good news? 
And there's actually a joy and relief in the process of, of humility. Sometimes we're in humility processes, aren't we? Heidi Baker joyfully noted, God is God, I'm not. Hooray! <laughs> it's good to have that perspective, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes we feel like we have to make everything happen and take care of everybody. And thankfully, that's not true. So I encourage you, you to embrace the loving, relational, receptive process that each of us are in, and you will grow in boldness and life-giving impact. These are two scriptures that really, um, these ones I'm about to read, that really grip me. In Daniel 11, the second part of verse 32 but the people will know their God. The people will know their God. That's yada. That's experiential knowing. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. You want to just go and say, yes, yes. yes. yes, yes, yes. And then in Daniel chapter 12, just a bit later, verse 3, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's our Papa's plan for us, for each one of us. Not because he needs us, but because He's inviting us to grow up as sons and daughters. To be like his, his, his only begotten son, Jesus. He'll always be our papa. We're not doing this to win his approval. It's because we get to do it with him. And we get to experience his greatness through the adventure. So let's just, let's just uh, turn our hearts to him. Father, thank you for your call upon each of us. Thank you that each of our lives matter. Thank you that you created good works, poema for each one of us in Messiah Jesus, that we would walk in them. Adventures, healings, deliverances, transformations of families and cities, restoration of the desolation of many generations. You've called us to that. You've called us to be part of your endeavor, Father. Not out of coercion, but out of love. And Holy Spirit, we ask that, that you will help us to be bold when it's time to be bold that you will empower us and that we would have your passion, Jesus. That we would live out of your passion for, for transforming people's lives and communities and countries. Thank you, Father, that we're all part of your family and you're calling all of your daughters and sons home. And we get to be part of it. To you, we honor and glorify and magnify, and we rejoice in getting to be part of this.
Amen. Thank you. It's 8.40. Please, uh, those of you who have children, please go get them. And if, um, if the prayer, prayer ministry team would like to come up and minister to folks. And uh, I also encourage you, if you can, to just talk to the person next to you for a little bit and share and maybe pray for each other about what, what you, what, what, where you want to be bold. What is, is there a situation in your life right now you want more boldness for? Thank you.